Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. say this. It's still working today. He is still seeking and saving today. And whatever your life is, I tell you, He's seeking for you. He wants to save you. He wants to take you to glory. Let's pray and praise Him as we start. My Master. We love you, Lord. God, we love you. Glory. God, give us souls today. Reach a heart. Reach an individual, I pray, God. Thank you. You may be seated. The meaning of to save, according to the dictionary, means to rescue someone or somebody from harm or danger. In the case that we're talking about, where Jesus is the action of seeking and saving The harm is eternal punishment. The danger is being lost forever and forever in a judgment that comes because of a life that's been spent in sin. The second meaning of to be saved is to make it possible for someone to be spared from a situation or activity. So when you look at those meanings, it's easy to understand that what went, what was given to us from the book of Genesis to the New Covenant, the Second Covenant, the New Testament church, is an action, a solution that was given to us by the Word of God from Genesis on through. There was the prediction, there was the prophecy that a Savior would be born for all mankind. There is in the Old Testament, even though it's primarily written to the Jews, that there would be a people of the Gentiles that would be called out to be of His name, His people. And because of that, we find that the meaning from the dictionary tells us that He's here to spare us from the situation of sin of living in sin, of walking in sin, and the activity of sin daily in a life. That's the purpose of what God had from the book of Genesis to the New Testament until He comes to take us to glory. And so almost daily we read or we hear on the radio of someone being saved from some tragic accident. An accident, perhaps the water, being saved because the boat, because of an action there, being saved because of an automobile turning over, being saved because of a fire in a home, being saved because of an explosion, and on and on goes the reports that we hear on these things. But I'm here warning, here's what I'd like to hear, I would I will, I hope that there will come a day when the newspapers and the news broadcasts 
will announce hundreds by hundreds are being saved by the power of the Holy Ghost revival that's sweeping the world. That's the news we need to hear. Jesus saves. He still saves today. When I get with my friends, other ministry or call, it's a normal thing for me to ask. And so who's been to the altar? How many has received the Holy Ghost? We meet and we are thrilled. There's a group of us that are thrilled to hear the report. Not jealous because they have people praying through. But thankful that the blood still washes white as snow. And that people are saved. Saved from their sins. Saved from their old ways. Oh, that old song that says, We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. I think that should be the theme of how we feel about the work of God. Every song sung, every testimony, every worship should be directed to the point that Jesus saves. Not glamour for me, not uplifting for me, not anything for me, but for him that saved us from a hell, from him that reached down and gave us mercy and grace when we needed it. Oh, glory. When you really, really let your mind understand the concept of the Old Testament and what's being said, you'll have to notice that the concept was ingrained in the Jewish mind of the Old Testament that they had a God that was a Savior. And when they forgot that He was a Savior and they needed Him because of oppression by another country or by an army, suddenly He became the God Savior, a helper, a deliverer, a rescuer, a preserver of the people of Israel. And when you think about that, that's exactly what takes place in our New Testament Christian life. He delivers, He takes care of us, He preserves us, He makes a way for us, and He's there with His miracles when we need it. And so the Jewish people, they understood and remembered that they had only one Savior and one God and that was Jehovah God. So the testament that we read in the Word says to us in Isaiah, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Oh, hallelujah. He went on to say, I have declared it and have saved. And so what you notice is that, number one, there's one Savior. There is one God. We learned that from Deuteronomy 6 and 4. We know there's one God. We understand the truth of that. It has never changed because he said, I change not. But the fact that he claims and is and will always be the Savior must be manifested in the form of the New Testament. It came in the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the manifestation of God the Father. He that has seen me has seen the Father, he said. So we have a, a Savior that has came, walked this earth for a purpose. 
The purpose was that he became the Lamb of God without blemish, without sin, to die on a cross that you and I could be set free. So often we think of just a story. It's not a story. It is an entire time from creation to now that Jesus went to Calvary as the Lamb without blemish, fulfilling Old Testament word that we might be saved. Jesus saves. He saves by His blood. He saves by His wounds. He saved by the Spirit in His side. Jesus still saves today. Oh, glory. So when the Christ child was born, here's the message that was given. Matthew 1 and 21. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so we have Jesus to look to, who will pay the price, be the substitute, that we can be saved and that we can be free. Now, when we preach Acts 2.38, that you're baptized for the remission of sins, and it comes about because you repent and then are baptized. He freely gives the gift of the Holy Ghost. But the thing that I emphasize and have said before, remember the word remission means it is no longer active. If you've had cancer and they tell you that it's in remission, it means it's no longer active. It's not eating in your body. It's not bringing death. And so remission of sins means that it's no longer active. It's no longer bringing death to you in eternity hell. It's no longer going to bring a cancer of sin. But you are free from sin, saved by grace, mercy, blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah! Oh, this feels good. And so we read in 1 Timothy 3 and 16. For God was manifest. The word manifest means obvious, evident, visible, revealed. And so he was manifest. In other words, the scripture was fulfilled. He fulfilled all Old Testament scripture that made us recognize, reveal that he was the Christ promised, the Savior of the world to come, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. And because of that, we're able to say that with the scripture, he was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, that he was preached to the Gentiles, and then the Scripture says, believed on in the world. And when you believe on Jesus in the world, according to John 3 and 5, you'll be born again of the water and spirit. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm still reading from 1 Timothy 3 and 16. Believed on in the world, then received up the glory. Do you understand that received up the glory that he promised in John 14, 1 through 4, that where I go, ye know the way. And he also promised, where I am, ye shall be also. He was talking about an eternal heaven. He was talking about an eternal life. So he went away. 
Here was an ascension. Do you understand the ascension is a type and shadow of the resurrection when we leave this earth because we're full of the Holy Ghost, saved by Jesus, saved by Him, full of the Holy Ghost. Glory. (laughs) And of course, when you look at it that way, you've got to remember that John the Baptist... Matthew 3 and 1, he came preaching. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, he meant the kingdom of God would come about when Jesus died on the cross and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost fell on the disciples and the church was added, 3,000 received at the beginning of the church. That was the kingdom of God on earth. And John the Baptist was preaching that. But then Jesus followed him and said, I tell you, except you repent, you shall like not, you will not, uh, you will not live, but you shall perish. And so with this, we're told that repentance has to be part of our life. Repentance is the beginning of stepping into that area where that he's able to save. You've got to repent of your sins. Now, when I repented... After going to the altar about six weeks, somebody got in my ear and said, you've got to repent of your sins. You've got to tell God you don't want to sin anymore. You want to get rid of them. And I, I'm a senior in high school, and I, I didn't know the difference. And so I started naming every sin I could think of. He got back in my ear and said, quit naming them. Just say, God, forgive me of all my sins. Didn't need a public announcement. They need to read a list. I remember even saying, God, forgive me when I used to go charge candy on my uncle's account. I was a sinner. I was a simple sinner trying to repent. I didn't even know how to repent. But I'm telling you, repentance is a gateway unto baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost. When you repent, God hears. When you start to repent, He begins to listen. He looks at you. You've got to repent in order to receive what God has for you. I like what Pastor said a few weeks ago. He said these places where they don't require repentance, but they just tell you, come on, say this, say this, say this. I'm telling you, a genuine repentance will make you solid in your walk with God and make you very, very close to the Lord because you being honest saying, I repent, I don't want to go back there. Repentance is turning around. Repentance is saying, I'm staying away from that. I'm not doing it again. I'm repenting, I'm repenting, I'm repenting. And I'm telling you that Jesus saves. Glory. Now, please allow me to use a scripture I've used before. I found this, and I share it many times preaching out or even in conversation. It it seems to be one of those scriptures that are overlooked. I know I did for a long time. Proverbs 16 and 1. It says, And the preparation of the heart is in man. Now, in this line, it means you prepare your heart 
to get right with God by repenting. That's your job. The preparation is your job. The foundation has to be poured so the carpenter comes and put down, puts the form down in the steel or wire, whatever. But the concrete finisher comes and pours the slab and finishes it. When you prepare your heart, when you repent of your sins, you're putting the form down. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus is going to come and pour the concrete that will keep you through eternity. And so here's what it, the rest of the scripture. The preparation of the heart is in man. But the answer of the tongue is of God. Do you understand what it's saying? It's saying that when you repent, make your heart right and clean it out, that God has the power to answer that you've done okay, you've done the right thing, that He accepts your repentance by the power of the tongue. You begin to speak in tongues as you receive the Holy Ghost. So the joy of repentance is that there's a promise, a promise that Peter said on the day of Pentecost, you'll receive the Holy Ghost. A promise that Jesus spoke of in 3 and 5 of John that you'll be born of the water and the Spirit. I'm telling you that when you look at it all, you've got to get down to the basic fact. By His blood, by His mercy, by His grace, Jesus saves when we make our heart right. Jesus saves us. There's some samples in the New Testament. Matthew 9 and 2, man was brought to Jesus on his bed, palsy. When Jesus looked at him, he said, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Now notice this. They came for healing. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. He did not mention healing. He said, get excited because I'm about to forgive you of your sins. Get all excited and joyful. I'm going to forgive you of your sins. And he was healed at that time. I believe God heals when we receive the Holy Ghost of many things. I believe God can take a lot of things out of our life if we'll just let him and obey him. He's willing to forgive us. So Jesus saved him. And he came for one purpose that was different from what was on the mind and heart of Jesus. Hey. The Lord is here to bless. The Lord is here to give you joy in your soul. The Lord is here to get you away from the thoughts of your mind and the pain and agony of what you're going through. But the greatest thing, He's looking at you and He's trying to say to you, I don't only want to give you joy. I don't want to take away your thoughts and the the agony you're going through. But I want to say, Thy sins are forgiven thee. Can you imagine? Thy sins are forgiven thee. When you pray through and get the Holy Ghost, He's saying again, Thy sins are forgiven thee. When you start speaking tongues, He's saying, Thy sins are forgiven thee. It's so easy to understand you look at it that way. The text I read to you today, for the Son of Man has came to seek and save that which was lost, begins with that wee little man named Zacchaeus. 
who wanted to see Jesus, so he climbed a tree. Bible says he was a rich chief of the publicans. And so he got up there, and Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down the tree. We're going to your house today. Now, the amazing point of this story is not the fact that a little short man climbed the tree, but it's the fact that Jesus looked at him up the tree, knew what was in his heart and in his mind, called him to come down, and then with a crowd around him said, we're going to your house. Glory. I don't know what kind of tree you're up today. I don't know why you're hanging out. I don't know what hound of hell has treed you up there. But I'm telling you that Jesus is looking at you right now. And he's saying, you're not too small. And you're not held and bound. But I'm going to turn you loose. Let's go to your house. Let's go to your house. And listen, this body is called the house. And it's called the house of God. He wants to come to our house. He wants to get into this body with His joy and His blessing and His grace. If you'll just say, yes, sir, I'm coming down the tree right now. Glory. Oh, what a wonderful day. What a wonderful day when Jesus came into our heart. What a wonderful day when He came to in our life. So they went to His house. The Bible tells that Jesus looked around that house after a while and He said to Zacchaeus, this day, not tomorrow, not next Sunday when we have church again, not next month when we have a visiting preacher, but this day, salvation has came to your house. Can you understand you don't have to put it off? Can you understand that salvation is here today? That Jesus saved that day. And he's willing to save you right now. Jesus says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. He's seeking you right now. What you're feeling is God seeking you. That tug you feel in your heart, that desire to worship, that desire to wave your hand, that's Jesus that's saying, I love you enough, I'm seeking for you. I want you in this house. I want to be in your house. I want you to be my child. All right, let's debate for a few moments. You can say, I'm too bad. I've, I've got habits. I've done some wrong things. Well, in these over 60 years of pastoring and evangelizing, I've seen some great changes. First one was my father, who sat at the supper table. We're going to church tonight, and I said, not me. I'm almost 18. I've already signed up going to the Army. I'm not going. He looked at me and done like this. You're eating at this table, sleeping in this house. We're going to church tonight. He was a heavy drinker. Mama and I got him out of the garden when he fell on his back so drunk he couldn't get up. Fell several times in the, on the porch trying to get in the house. Had a terrible time. Smoked a pipe. But that night, 
My dad went to an altar. He'd been sick for four years. Mama said, are you going to be prayed for? They knew Pentecost. Peggy and I didn't. My sister. He said, no, I have to make things right with God before I can ask for healing. Well, he was right on that. The altar went to cry, and I couldn't, I couldn't understand it. I stood in the back. He always said, don't cry, whatever lick you get. But in a matter of months, three months, my dad and I, standing shoulder to shoulder, prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Daddy said he immediately took drinking away from me. Never had another desire. He took it away. I'd been praying, take it away. And he said that night it went away. I'm going to tell you another thing. On Wednesday night I went to CGC, Catholic Guidance Center, for a youth dance every Wednesday night. Then on Friday night I went to Gosport Park for a youth dance. Unless we played a football game and school had a dance. Now, we're Cajun people. We danced uh, for every occasion. <laughs> Even a crossfish ball out in the yard. And so God reached down and brought me out of that so-called world. But I'm going to tell you, there's been a great, powerful God. I remember, Sister Lorman, it was New Year's Day, Sunday morning. We was having a church, church, God was moving, and a lady was there with a scarf around her neck. She suddenly ran to the altar. She had so much liquor smell on her, even though she was dressed very nice, they couldn't hardly get around her. All of a sudden, she started praying through, and that smell went away. She spoke in tongues. She was a wayward woman owned by the mafia. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. We got her to move to our grandmother's. She ended up marrying a young man who knew her past. They ended up with three children, often seen on the campground of Arkansas. What happened? Jesus saved. Jesus saved. He came to our church and said, I have talked to you, Pastor. When I was 12 years old, my father beat me and my sisters and my mother. And almost killed my mother several times. He was beating her. She was bleeding and everything. And I went and got the gun. And I shot him. And I killed him. He said they put me through juvenile court. A retired whitehead lawyer took my case. They banished me to Oklahoma. I spent my time. I was released. But then he got the Holy Ghost. And he was so grateful that God forgave him of his sin. That he'd sing and when he'd sing the whole house would be on their feet and rejoicing. And God gloriously blessed him even though he had killed his own father. There is no sin that Jesus will not save you from. He's a forgiving God and he wants you to be free. Free from every sin. Warner James, who pastored at Danesville, he was in the barn in Mississippi. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost came on him. His mother had been praying for him. He couldn't get rid of it. 
he tended to his duty of his animals, but he was shaken. And he said, I, I had rubber boots up to this high because of it, so much rain and the barnyard so muddy. And he said, I walked to the house and said, I'm going to church. They said, Warner, it's 8 o'clock. It's almost over with. Start at 7. He said, I'm going to church. When he walked in, he came down the aisle, and he said, Pastor, I want to be saved. And he fell in the altar and began to speak in tongues as he repented of his sins. I'm telling you, Jesus saved from every walk of life. Then we were called and said that the Hunt brothers were going to be there that night. Dennis had prayed through a few weeks before in our church. His brother Carl came in, and they were there that afternoon at the hospital at St. Joe, seventh floor, uh, fifth floor. His mother, their mother was dying of cirrhosis of the liver. And so we went, we started praying. Their aunt said, y'all go to church. I'll, I'll just be here with your mother. Before church started during prayer, Carl prayed through. We baptized him. Oh, I had a joyful time in that baptistry. Like to never got him out, talking in tongues and rejoicing. So we went to church, and he said, they called and said, she's in bad shape. So we went, and we got there, and we prayed with her, and Carl told her, said, Mom, I was baptized tonight, and I got the Holy Ghost. Weak voice, she said, it's good, it's good. She got quiet. She said, I want to be baptized. They called Dr. French. Dr. French said to baptize her. She don't have long to live. Baptize her. Then they came back and said, we can't do it. We have to put her on a cot, put her in a Thursday tank where you can take her down and baptize her. She's too weak. She's too far gone. She might not live through it. First thing in the morning. Next morning we're there. Two of the nurses were Holy Ghost field nurses from one of our churches. Then we had her in a basket. We put her down, baptized her, brought her up. She started speaking in tongues, and they hit the wrong button. She went down again. They were rejoicing so much, I had to say, hey, hey, bring her up, bring her up. I'm holding her head up. But God forgave her of her drinking habit of having cirrhosis of the liver, and she lived for six more years, an aged woman, and she was called the miracle by the hospital staff, the miracle of the seventh floor where she received the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And He wants to save you. He wants to save you right now. He wants to save you right now. Let's all stand. Let's all get a hold of God. Pray, pray that somebody will be obedient and come to the altar. Would you come, my friend? Would you come? You've been feeling the tug of Jesus on your heart. You've been feeling the need of God being in your house. Would you come and repent and receive His mercy, receive His grace, receive His love, receive His gift of the Holy Ghost? It's for you.